0: Um, good morning, everyone. Oh, good afternoon. Oh, good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. So, um, today we are looking at book of Acts. Oh, I have some little bit of stuff. Alex, can you bring that, uh, uh, that cardboard, cardboard, please? Yeah. Okay. If you are primary age kids between the age of zero and 90, oh, I mean, sorry, that's uh um, okay, if you're a primary age kid, please come here and have a look at this picture. And can you tell me what? Can you tell me what story I'm going to tell? Oh, no, no, Alex. Oh, no, uh, Alex, please. You know, sorry. You know, spoiler. <laughs> okay, don't tell now. What do you need to have a look and look at this uh, what is this, you know, so look at some of the writings are here to give you some clue and, uh, don't tell anything, don't give any clue and, uh, see, uh, what, is, what could be this story about, okay, so just wait, uh, anyone likes to come, any primary kids? you know, so, and after this, you know, you can draw the picture of actually what's ha- happening, okay, um, so, anyone else want to come, primary year old? You know. Um, okay, so, so, what can you see? Is that a cow? Or is that? It's a donkey, but uh, Joel apparently draw a horse, sorry Joel, you know. Uh, uh, okay, okay, so, that's a horse, but it's not, I will come to the horse later <laughs> you know okay so tell me what's the story yeah uh, jesus go from jerusalem yeah so but it, it, there is another jerusalem and damascus there you know there is another name okay okay sam um, is it when the is the oh you spoiler you should have waited you know so now yeah it's a it, it's it's the story of Paul, what's the direction they are going, you know, Jerusalem to Damascus, okay? And uh, there is some lightning coming, lots of things are. So what you can do, thank you so much, grab your pen, paper, whatever you have, and listen to this story, what God has done in the life of Saul and Paul. So in order to understand that story, it's always good to listen to the scripture, what I'm going to read now. And then that will give you a picture and you can go with me to understand what is actually happening. So it's really important to listen what is actually in the scripture. So I'm going to read from Book of Acts, chapter nine. Children, are you ready? Are you listening? Can I see yes or no? Kids, are you listening? Yes, okay, I think uh, Parents, give them some proper breakfast, please. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letter to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any There who belong to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So you might have heard that one. So two significant places are mentioned there. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now, Get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord. He answered, The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas, of S- Judas on the straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus called Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has, been, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But Lord, but the Lord said to Ananias, Go to this man is my is chosen. It, it, God, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias, Ananias went went to the house and entered, and placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road to you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales from Saul's eyes, he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after uh, taking some food, he regained his strength. Amen. What a spectacular story. If you read this story again and again, you know, so you can see that one. This is not a small story. This is a groundbreaking, supernatural, felt-packed, scary, lights, lots of things going on, but it is an amazing epic story. Sometimes we think it is a big conversion story. In, in theory, Paul was not converted on the day of his journey to Damascus. By the way, I want to tell you a little bit about this horse. I search everywhere, I can't find any horse in the Bible. Honestly, nothing nowhere in the Bible it is mentioned. Paul was traveling on a horse, you know. So I've assumed historically the travel, the distance between Jerusalem and Damascus was 150 miles. He was man of authority. He was man of power. He was man of m- money and he wants to do things quickly. So he's not going to take a peak district slow walk. He's going to get the fastest available vehicle available at that time that could be horse. That could be the reason he fell from the, from the, from, from the horse, and that could be the reason. So don't waste time into the horse, please, okay? So if you want to do, I know that one. In the West, we do research about horse, donkey, even theological uh, conclusion comes, that was a horse, you know. So I don't want you to, if you have some strong arguments, go and see Dr. Edwards, you know, so Aaron, and I'd rather you spend time with them. And they have lots of space in their Bible college. They are filling people to fill, you know, not to research on horse, to study the scripture, you know. So uh, Aaron, if people are coming to you and signing up, please remember to give me the commission because I am, okay, I didn't hear any amen from him, either from his family, Okay. So he was traveling from Jerusalem to, uh, to Damascus. Kids, have you thought why he was so upset and angry with these people? Why? What's the reason? Is it because he was a bad man? I don't think so. But he was convinced with something these people of the way, the followers of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus was kind of second category. Oh, they are missing something. They are taking the wrong path. So I wa- I'm going to be part of the mission to fix everything right. See, he was doing with the right intention, but he was doing the wrong thing. So here we can see that... Uh, This is the conversion of Paul, and uh, his worldview was changing, and we will come to that one, how he ended up in that specific place of uh, conversion. So when we hear about the conversion, sometimes uh, uh, we can be so uncomfortable, especially conversion, conversion, because Christianity is a converting religion. Christianity is kind of a brainwashing religion. Christianity is kind of a narrow-minded religion. Some of their viewpoints and aspects are so outdated, and we can be so uncomfortable with that word. But if you look at the scripture, Jesus said, unless you are born again, unless you turn, you know, 180 degree, you know, unless you turn back from the direction you are going, you cannot enjoy the kingdom of God. The conversion can be uncomfortable, but it is life-saving. It is turning from death to life, from darkness to light. It's not a comfortable word, so that we can have a nice comfy time. But this is a life and death moment for the life of uh, 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 Paul or Saul. So I'll be using both names, Paul and Saul. Forgive me, I'm talking about one man that is Paul or Saul. Why he was uh, so convinced. So, if you go to Philippians chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, you know, so he can see, hear that one. Even someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in flesh. He's talking about himself, where his seal was coming from to persecute Christians. I have more, you know, uh, I, I, I have more circumcised on the earth day. So, he was following the law of the people of Israel. Yes, his genealogy or his historically significant to, uh, to the tribe and the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew or Hebrews in regarding the, regarding the law. A Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church as for, as for righteousness based on the law and fullness. That was him. He was talking about himself. These are the categories I can boast of myself. I'm circumcised. Israelites, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, I know the law, and I'm a Pharisee. I'm not just a sleepy zombie Pharisee. I'm a zealous one. I believe I'm right, and I'm fullless. Goodness me, who can say that? This is the man. So he created a God. Let me see. That's the horse here based on his belief, and he's riding on the top of that. And he is in charge of that God. He created based on his belief, and he made a conclusion, this is the horse I'm going to ride. This is the direction I'm going to travel. This is the conviction I have. They are wrong. I'm right. Who is going to make the path? I'm going to make the path. Who is going to control the speed? I'm going to control the speed. Who is going to make the direction? I'm going to be in charge of the direction. So he is creating a self-created God based on his beliefs and understanding and his pride. He is traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus. We all have this horse, you know. We create our self-created horse in our life. That's the place we ride and we maintain our speed in. It could be education. It could be what kind of job we are doing. It could be what kind of country we are coming from. Or it could be the location of the house we have. It It could be how many educational things we have. It could be the money. It could be anything we create and think, I'm in charge now. I'm feeling comfortable now, I'm better than them now. So I'm going to help them to understand the truth. I wish they were like me. I wish they are like me. I wish they are like me, you know, because always I'm on the top. When you're on the top, everyone on somewhere else. And we travel in the direction. Here's the man, Galatians chapter one, 13 to 14 for you have heard my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and trying to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. This is Paul. Galatians chapter 1 13 to 14, I just mentioned that one. So, a man with a great self-image and with a self-created God. That is Paul. So, what is happening now? With that conviction, he is traveling. So, on the way to Damascus, something happened just before that one. A light... Or the voice coming down and there is something spectacular happening. So let me read that one. Verse three. As he neared Damascus in his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard heard a voice to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who was talking to him? Kids, I need response. Who was talking to him? Jesus was talking to him. Or the king of heaven was talking to him. Or the Lord of lords was talking to him. Or God was talking to him. And what was his response? Ah, hello God. How are you? Are you okay? What was his response? Who are you, Lord? So that means... This is different from my God. I'm not familiar with you. I don't know your accent. So something is greater than my God who can stop me, who can knock me down, who can completely in charge. So now someone coming, Over than my theological understanding, who can come and stop me? So, for example, if I can stop someone, what does that mean? I'm stronger than that person. And again, in Paul's life, in Saul's life, he was asking a question. Who are you, Lord? All he was saying, I don't know you. I don't know you. If he was really convinced and understood the God of the law of Abraham or or uh, what he was zealous about, he would have been recognized Jesus. But he was asking, who are you? So he was on the self-created way, the self-created truth, and the self-created light, and he's leading a self-created life. And he's leading a life. Here he's coming and stopped by someone, the collision happening. It's a good collision. Not to destroy him, not to crush him down, not to humiliate him, not to shame him from shame to shame. ask actually was a good collision to convince that I'm someone greater than you. I'm someone powerful than you. I'm someone knowledgeable than you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's not based on your self-image or self-created religion. This is someone can interfere in your life at any time because I am God over everything. That was a big conviction for his life. If you ask questions to yourself or to your friends, do you believe in God? What will they say? majority will say. We have higher power. You know, so they believe. There is some higher power there. I believe in higher power. You know, I'm, I'm not playing Coldplay, you know, trying to, okay. It, uh, that was the song actually, you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they usually say, yes, I believe in a higher power. Somewhere, somewhere there. He's constantly stirring everything. Somebody put, sometimes they uh, tired of things, you know. Yes, I believe in a higher power, but I believe he's good. That means he always supposed to do good things. That means he's a God not supposed to bring any inconvenience into my life. He's there to make my life really smooth. My relationship really smooth. My travel direction really smooth. My speed Really direct, you know, direction really smooth. You know, that's the God I believe in. A good God. Never interfere so that the world will be a nice place. That's the self-created God people are believing in. Then if you ask a question, when you feel really, really low, will this God come and help you? No. When you are on the bottom of your life struggles, have you ever heard this God coming and uh, talking about rescuing you from that place to a better place, a safe place? No. Okay, who is this God? Oh, that God is my self-created God. It's my convenient God, but the God of the Bible is different. When everyone say, you are ugly, he will say, I fearfully, wonderfully made you. When people say, you are worthless, then this God will say, no, I have created you in my image, even the darkest moment, when you messed up, when you are lost in your sin, and every ugliness, I still love you. I'm happy to come to a place to rescue you. It's not because you are lovable. It's actually make you to understand my real love. So the God of the Bible is different from the understanding of the self-created image. (laughs) Uh, C.S. Lewis mentioned like this, you know. So the agnostic talked cheerfully of a man's search for God that they might. As well as talk about the mouse search for the cat. A mouse never search for a cat. The cat usually search for the mouse. So people create a God and they think, I found it. I created it. This is the God. It's like the way they're saying, you know, okay, this is the characteristic of the God. It's like a mouse searching for the cat. No, actually the God of the Bible is different. He is the one coming down to rescue you because you cannot save yourself from the mess. You are created, your self-created image or whatever, wherever you are. The God of the Bible is very, very different. Different. So here is a collision happening and he is convinced I'm meeting with someone higher, stronger, powerful than the self-created God in my understanding. And what is happening after that? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now you get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Oops, that's a little bit of controversial. All this time, I was in charge. Now somebody's stepping in and asking me what to do. It's not fair. He's asking me to go, and he's telling what you must do. The men traveling with the soul stood there, speechless. They heard sound, but did not see anything. Soul got up from the ground, but he was, he opened, when he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. He was crippled. His law didn't help. The theology didn't help. The zeal didn't help. The companions didn't help. The horse, if that was a horse, didn't help. All his, uh, the authority didn't help. He was completely gone down. Now he's walking with the help of some of his companions. Supposed to be getting strength from him. Now he's strength get, getting strength from the other people. And how many days he was in that darkness, kids? Can you, can you tell me how many days he was blind? Yeah, just shout. Three, Three days. Okay. Can you just close your eyes and trying to get your water bottle now? Don't open it. Close your eyes and trying to get your water bottle. It's not easy. Some people were able to do it easy. If I ask you go to, go, go to get, get some sandwich from the kitchen, goodness me, you will knock lots of things down. Even for one minute, you know, closing your eyes and trying to do something quickly is an impossible task. It's very, very difficult. Now he is in darkness. What happens when you are in darkness, when you can't see? Can you check your mobile phone? No. Can you read a book? No. Can you talk to people looking at their face? No. Can you do things faster than normal? No. Do you know where the food is most of the time? No. And where is he now? Is he in his house? No. He's in Damascus. <laughs> Completely different place. That's the place he was going to persecute. He ended up, up in Damascus and he is blind. What will happen? What happened when you have a, uh, like a self isolation or something? You know, you had lots of times to think because you can't do many things. And think getting it worse, you know, when you're blind, that's the time. You are time to think. What, what was he thinking? Who is he? And he said, I'm Jesus. So that means he's stronger than me, he's powerful than me, he's something different. According to my understanding, he is weak. He cannot be a Messiah because he died on the cross. He didn't even stood against the Romans. He didn't even demolish the Roman kingdom. And he never restored the kingdom of Jerusalem. You know, he's uh, absolutely weak. And even he didn't have the credibility or the strength to ride a horse. On the donkey flipping egg. You're supposed to be someone strong. Here coming. I'm coming on the donkey, okay. Do you jump out from the donkey and go on the horse? No. You spoiled everything. You humiliated us. And not only that, you died on the cross. And now there's a story roaming around you, Ross, again, or something. Where is he now? Nowhere. So, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to teach this religion. Don't put your hope on this rubbish, nonsense religion. Some of the spreading these false words around and ever. I'm going to fix it. But this time, he can't write. He can't eat. He can't drink. He starts thinking, what is actually going on? He might have gone back to book of Isaiah, started with a reigning king, and it's landed with a suffering servant. Who is that? Who is that? You cannot hold the Jewish Torah without a suffering king and a reigning king. Who is that? Okay, let me go back to the, the fathers. Who was that? The Abraham, the, the Isaac, the Joseph, you know, all these guys. What God promised to Abraham through you, through your descendants, all nations will be blessed through your son. Oh, where is that going to be happening, you know? All the nations will be blessed through Abraham's descendants. How is that possible? That's what time might be thinking. Oh, That makes more sense. That's only possible through Jesus dying on the cross. What is the real strength? When you are strong, you're willing to lay down your life without showing your strength and giving your life so that you can save many. It's actually not the real weakness. It's actually the real strength. No one ever in the history demonstrated that. Only person in the history demonstrated that. That is the Messiah. That is King Jesus. Oh, that makes sense. And all this time I'm trying to do something to achieve something. He followed this one fulllessly. Actually, he was wrong. That's his word. I'm going to ask Alex to come forward and uh, uh, do something for me. He's going to uh, light, a, uh, uh, light a thing, you know, so to so that how, how many times uh, he can keep up with this one, okay? You can show that. Uh, and when he stopped, you know, so his mission is until he die, keep this alive. Okay, that's the thing he signed up to. He said he's strong enough and he can keep going and keep going and going. When, the, when he stopped, give me a shout. Stopped! Okay, let me know because I can't see that one. So, this is the way he followed the Ten Commandments Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Take! Paul said, Yes, I nailed it. No image. Yes, take. Do not take your God in vain. No way. Goodness me, look at my passion. I'm better than all of you. Remember the Sabbath? And keep it holy? Yes, I'm of the Pharisee, of the Pharisees. Keep going, keep going. Honor the father and mother. Of course, give me anything. I do that one. Thou shall not kill. Yes, I never killed anyone, but I'm killing these people because I want to get rid of all the rubbish because I'm doing that for God's, God's, God's glory. Adultery? No way. Stealing? No way. Fall witness? No way. Even I stood against uh, 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 Stephen to show that I was the witness there. Because that's a false religion. Or the 10th commandment comes. What is the 10th commandment? Thou shalt not covet. Oh, what does that mean? Thou shalt not com- co- covet. So, that means... I cannot desire something more than God. Oh, I cannot. For example, if I'm not satisfied with something, I'll go after something. So I'm trying to get something so that I'll feel be satisfied. You know, covetness can be a desire. You do that because you are not content. You try to do something so that you feel you fulfilled. You know, you keep going after something so that you feel, you feel condemned. Is he going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I saw that. Something flickering, you know. Yeah. Okay. So that itself, he failed. You're supposed to. Oh, again. You're gone. No, no you, you already failed, you know. So you can't, you, you, you no, 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 no. You are out, out from my presence. I still love him. <laughs> he knows that this is what he was signed up to, you know, okay? Yeah. Mommy will give you one more chocolate, okay? <laughs> Paul or Saul was never satisfied in his identity. He was trying to do something, and he knew that, By pursuing on the horse to trying to fulfill the law, what he was failing to fulfill, the Ten Commandment, he failed. If you failed Ten Commandments, you failed everything. In this darkest moment, he understood, I'm not satisfied in God. My identity is in God. What I'm trying to do, I'm keep riding and riding and riding so that I can feel good. I can tick all the boxes, but he's actually coveting in his heart rather than relying on God. And now he understood, I cannot save myself. I cannot rescue myself. Here is someone coming who can stop me, who can rescue me, who can speak to me, who can open my eyes to see why he died on the cross, why he became a servant and king, why he shed blood on the cross. That makes sense to sacrifice to promises and prophecies and the hope of myself. And for the whole nation, now he is convinced Jesus is the Messiah. That is the darkest moment he was facing. Now it's the hardest thing coming. When this is happening, God was talking to someone else. Who was that? Kids. God was talking to, Jesus was talking to Paul at the same time in Damascus or Damascus, there was a disciple. What was his name? Ananias. What was he saying? Oh, what did he say to him? And Ananias, in a dream, you know, so go to the house of Judas, straight, you know, in, in Damascus. There was a disciple's name Ananias. Go, the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he he said yes, Lord. <laughs> but it was Paul's response. Who are you, Lord? <laughs> Two different responses, you know. Uh, what do you what do you say? Go to the house of Judas, straight. Yes, I'm happy with that one. And as for a man from Tarsus. Yes. Name Saul. No! Yes, <laughs> Lord! Yes, Lord! No! Goodness me! Can you check the name again, God? Can you ask some archangels to open it and double check it? Is it sure, soul? It is Saul. Who oh, is praying? Praying? There are lots of souls. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. Oh my word, you could have picked anyone else. Me, to go to that terrorist, to go to that someone, I already heard that he's coming on this direction. We all are scared. He already kills our dear brother, Stephen. He didn't say any word to stop. He's not just a wordy man. He's an action man. He's coming to kill us. Now you're asking us to go and meet with him? For he's praying in a vision. He has seen a man called Ananias come and uh, uh, and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Goodness me. Not only seeing him. Not only meeting him. Now I need to touch it. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know? <laughs> you know, just yeah, he might have. Is he really blinded you know. So that it's easy to laugh now, but if you know that, somebody heading to Sheffield to persecute you, and they got all the authority from the government, and they got the power, and you know that they are in Sheffield now. And we are receiving a phone call or text message or something saying, please go and lay hands. We just say, oh yeah, that's easy, you know. So now, it is, I don't know anyone in Sheffield died for God's kingdom recently, murdered or stoned to death or anything. This is a situation in many countries they are facing, in China, or Syria, or Afghanistan, or Iran, Iraq, Eritrea, you name it, in North Korea, you know, people die every day, thousands die for God's name's sake. This is real. So he is uh, asking, I heard many people report about this man, uh, all the harm, and, uh, and what he's saying, like, uh, uh, so, and he has come with an authority to arrest all who, uh, uh, you know, so all, all who are calling upon your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument. Carry on my name before the Gentiles and their kings, and before to the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So the Ananias, you know, he went there. He, he went and met with him. 1 Timothy chapter 15, one, or chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. After the darkest moment, he has some conviction now. I am the foremost of sinners, but received mercy for this reason that is me the foremost. Jesus might display his perfect patience for an example to those who we were to believe in him for eternal life in other words god had paul was rescued by god so that he can save many many people he understood that one philippians chapter 3 verse 7 onwards but whatever we gains to me now i consider loss for the sake of christ was is more what is more i consider everything is a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my God, who for whose sake I have lost all things, this is the Paul was passionate about destroying the church and his people. I consider them garbage. That I may gain Christ. Can you say that again? Again, together, I may gain Christ. I may gain Christ. So that's his desire now. Before that, to fulfill the law, to bring the order, to be zealous for God and his kingdom. But now he's convinced, I'm saved by his grace. I'm rescued by his grace. There is no hope without Jesus. There is no destiny without Jesus. There is no way of the forgiveness of sins without Jesus. Jesus is everything. The collision become the transforming place he turned to God. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in in him, having a, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. That is the moment. I don't need to keep doing it again and again. I'm never going to fulfill it. Even if I kill all the Christians, I'm not going to do that one. Here, someone stronger than me powerful than me, who can rescue me from, the, the, from the, all the things I'm going through. He's a loving God. He already demonstrated his life through his death, and he, he is here. Now, I know that the reason for collision, the reason for this moment, Damascus moment, to rescue me and save me. That's what he said at the time when he met King Agrippa in chapter 26, Acts 26, 14 to 15. He said, at 25, 16 to 18, God's Jesus told him, but rise and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness to both of things which you have seen and the things I have sent, I I will yet to reveal you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now sent you to open their eyes. He is blind now. Now mission is changed to open their eyes. Before he is going to persecute the church, now he is hearing, you will be persecuted. Now he is causing suffering. Now he is hearing, you will be suffered. Now he is in darkness. Now he is saying... You are called to bring light to people in darkness. Everything changed upside down because he didn't find God. God found him and rescued him. How much we need God in our life. Now he's invited into his greater mission. Now he's Prayed by a weaker brother, Ananias. Now he's joining with a group of people. They're already weak and suffering. Now he's praying. Now he's seeking God. Now he decided to obey God through baptism. And he's opening his heart. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. I need your strength. How do you know that you are a real follower, transformed Christian or follower of Jesus? Your life will change because you move from self-dependency into God-dependency. How will that be demonstrated? In prayer. It's not religious, moral activity. It's not a business. It becomes a relationship. And God is inviting us. Intimacy. And here, a man was rescued for his mission. Let me finish with this sentence. But our Jesus, he was knocked down on the road to Calvary. He was struck down. He was pierced. He shed the blood. And he died on the cross because he was not weak, because he was strong. Three days of darkness, he faced. Why? Even he faced the most abandonment from the father. Why have you forsaken me? So that we can come to this loving fellowship with God. We don't need to make it happen because salvation is only through by God's grace. The more you're trying to do, you will get tired and exhausted. The moment you come to him and say, God, I can't save myself. Come and rescue me, God. I'm a sinner. I don't know how to rescue myself from my within me, God. It's impossible. And you rose again. You met with the Paul today. Come and meet with me. It may not be dramatic, but it will be life-changing. It could be dramatic, but ultimately not the dramatic incident is not the point. Meeting with Jesus is the main thing.